Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt your regularly scheduled broadcast to bring you this breaking news bulletin. Last week's show has quickly become one of our most downloaded shows in the first week ever. Is it a coincidence? Or was it because Elrod wasn't here? Probably because I wasn't here. This, <laughs> other conspiracy theories, this week on Convince Me. Welcome in, everybody. It is another week, another episode of Convince Me. I am Andy Rutherford, joined, as always, by Mr. Brian Bennett, and returning to the show with his raccoon eyes and his weakened immune system, Mr. Casey Elrod. Gentlemen, how are you all tonight? I'm excited to be back, but at the same time, I'm disappointed because we don't have the X-Files theme for tonight. That's kind of disappointing. I assume that's copyrighted. Probably. Probably. We'd probably be sued into the Stone Age. Maybe we could do the Z Files. <laughs> Maybe. 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 The truth is out there. The Convince Me Files. Uh, anyway, guys, thanks for joining us once again. Uh, as you always do, be sure to keep telling your friends to go check us out. Follow our socials. We can be found on our most active page, which will be Facebook dot com slash convince me show every tuesday night you can get a portion of this show and every other show we do uh, a preview portion of that show with the video component every tuesday night over on facebook.com slash convince me show we have twitter where every now and then we turn the creative over to you guys and let you choose what our show topic will be and those polls are always over on twitter uh, our handle over there is at convince me show uh, you can also find us on instagram at convince me show and of course every week we drop a new episode on wednesdays uh, over with a full video component on youtube it's the only place to see the entire show on video and of course wherever you listen to your favorite podcast you can find us there as well if we're not where you listen to your favorite podcasts get to us let us know and we will get there uh, as soon as we can. But we're going to, uh, I'm going to shut up with the pitches. I don't think I got anything else to uh, shield to you guys. We're going to get right down into it. Bennett, as our mediator tonight, what are we talking about? Well, we got a tree of our listeners tonight. We are going to dive deep into a topic that if you guys didn't catch during our little opening there, we're going to talk about some conspiracies. Mainly, we're going to talk about two of the biggest conspiracies in history. We will be covering UFOs. Are they real? Or are they a figment of Elrod's imagination? And Mr. Rutt's going to talk about the JFK assassination. Is there more than what meets the eye with that? We'll find out. Now, I figured to start this off, I would make it fair. I'm not going to ask a question about either one of these topics, but I am going to keep it in the spirit of uh, conspiracy theories. So this 
will be a Bigfoot question. Ooh. Yeah, Bigfoot question. Okay. Now, here in U.S., there have been hundreds, thousands even, of Bigfoot sightings across America. And particularly Washington, the state of Washington, has the most Bigfoot sightings to date. I want you guys to guess how many Bigfoot sightings have been in the state of Washington. Hmm. Is this like all time or just this year? No, just of all time. Okay. I'll give you a hint. It's under a thousand. So don't go don't go too big. It's not like fifty million or nothing like that. All right. Hold on. My pen sucks. Maybe that's a conspiracy. Yeah, maybe it's a conspiracy. Maybe. maybe he's just trying to bait me and it's switching my number. Me and Elrod have this whole thing set up when you weren't looking. Snuck over to your house, swapped out your pen, gave you a faulty pen. Which is hard to do considering I don't ever leave my house anymore now that I work here. <laughs> it, it wasn't easy to do, I'll tell you. It wasn't easy. But we got it done. All right. You guys ready? Yep. Let's see what we got. 654. 654th Elrod, rut 112. Elrod was a little bit closer. Correct answer is 676. Ooh. Elrod did some Googling. <laughs> I did not promise. Lie. Promise. That's we already have, we've already had two conspiracies on this show. Did oh. Elrod look it up? <laughs> did we swap out Rut's pen? Some of the hard hitting questions that we need to get into tonight. But before we do that, we'll cover a couple of these other topics that people may be more interested in than not other than our own conspiracies. Elrod, you won, so do you want to kick us off or you do want to defer? Uh, I'm going to let Rut kick us off tonight. Let him go first. All right, Rut. I want you to tell me, convince me about the conspiracies around the JFK assassination. All right. Here's the thing. November 22nd, 1963. One of the most tragic days in the history of our country as the president of the United States, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, was in Dallas, Texas, obviously, in a limousine convertible riding through the streets waving at the thousands that had gathered there to see him he was riding with governor of texas at the time governor Connolly and his wife and there was a lot of political issues with kennedy and dallas dallas was very much a right-wing state um as a matter of fact it can be argued and it's probably pretty true the only reason johnson was kennedy's vice presidential candidate was so he could win texas because lyndon b johnson was from uh texas but they're riding through dallas they're getting into dealey plaza governor Connolly's wife turns and looks at president kennedy and says boy you can't say dallas doesn't love you and not mere seconds after that, shots rang out. Number of shots 
we'll discuss later on. Location of all the shots, we'll discuss later on. But the fact of the matter is, the President of the United States was hit multiple times, was rushed to the Dallas hospital, and was dead, pronounced dead 30 minutes later. President of the United States taken away. Now, there was a commission put together by the um, by President Lyndon B. Johnson, who became president after that, and they came together with what is kind of the official narrative of everything that happened that day. However, it is one of the most disputed bits of history in our history. As a matter of fact, the public opinion of what happened that day consistently shows that most Americans believe that Lee Harvey Oswald either had nothing to do with it or didn't do it by himself. Um, a 2003 Gallup poll reported that 75% of Americans do not believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. An ABC News poll found that 70% suspected that the assassination involved more than one person. A 2004 Fox News poll stated that 66% of Americans thought there had been a conspiracy, while 74% thought that there was at least some sort of cover-up. A uh, 2009 CBS News poll uh, stated 76% of people uh, thought that President Kennedy was killed uh, due to a conspiracy. And the most recent poll I found was a 2013 Gallup poll where even in 19 or 2013 was 50 years after the fact, 61% of Americans believed other people besides Jeff Lee Harvey Oswald was involved. Was Lee Harvey Oswald involved? Well, did he act alone? Tonight, we're going to discuss both of those possibilities. It's one of the most disputed, like I said, pieces of history in American history. And there's a whole lot of things that don't seem to match up, which leads a whole lot of people, literally more than half the country, more than 50 years later, to think there's something fishy going on here. Tonight, Mr. Bennett, I'm going to convince you and I'm going to convince the listeners that the narrative the official story is, at the very least, a bit suspect. Tonight, I'm going to convince you that of these two, the most likely conspiracy theory to actually not be the narrative, the most likely conspiracy theory to actually be fact, is the fact that Lee Harvey Oswald did not act alone in killing John F. Kennedy. I'm really looking forward to hearing um, about all the details that you have about this particular uh, conspiracy because I already have about 157 questions to ask. So I'm not <laughs> going to ask them. I'm going to wait to see what you have to say. Maybe you can answer some of them, hopefully. All right, Mr. Elrod, I need you to tell me a little bit about these UFOs. What is a UFO? Does that mean aliens? Does that mean flying saucers? All the above. 
what are we talking about with UFOs? What's the deal with the UFOs? All of the above. So before I get into my little spiel, Bennett, I'm excited for tonight's topic and what we've done tonight because the two topics really have nothing to do with one another. This is the first show where we're coming out from totally different story points. This is just conspiracy theories. Now, right take you back to the 60s, I'm going to take you back a little bit further to 1947. You have to understand, when you talk about UFOs and aliens, you really have to look at where the country was in 1947. Just The, the world just went through World War II. Uh, you had two superpowers left in the world. You had Russia, the Soviet Union, and you had the United States. Years before World War II, you had a guy by the name of Orson Welles. Orson Welles was a, was basically he was if he Donald Trump was the reality TV star of the uh, early 2000s. Orson Welles was the reality radio star of the 1930s. He always read stories. It was always millions of people in this country would turn on the radio and listen to Orson Welles. Well, he thought it would be a good prank to basically convince the country that the United States was under attack by the Martians. This plunged the country into hysteria because this is the first time something like this had ever happened before. So if one thing was learned from this experience, it was Americans are very susceptible to this sort of uh, controversy, conspiracies, with aliens. What I want to do tonight, I want to talk about how aliens are real. You, you may think this is out there, and some people might think it's out there. But I'm going to do this from a data point of view. I want to do this also, the main focus tonight is going to be on the most infamous UFO conspiracy of all time. And it's centered in Roswell, New Mexico. Oh, yes. Well, a lot of people think they know Roswell. I thought I did before I looked in on this, and boy, I was wrong. <laughs> I was totally wrong. Before we go uh, into the facts about what happened, I want to talk to you a little bit about math. This is a, math. We're going to get the board stuff out of the way first. I didn't sign up for no math. Well, we're having math class tonight. What if I told you, Bennett and Rutt, that I'm scientists have identified that there are 10 billion galaxies in the observable universe? That, I mean, that number, you, you say it, it's like 10 billion. Yeah. Yeah, but you can't even comprehend 10 You can't billion. comprehend this. And if you drill down even more, we're talking about galaxies. Let's drill down and talk about stars. How many stars do you think, Bennett? Or in the observable galaxy. Trillions. There are, there's really not a word for it. It's, 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 uh, it's 10, the number 10 raised to the 21st <laughs> power. It takes you like three minutes to write out the number. That's how many stars there are in the observable space. The scientists have said that this amount equals the number of grains 
of sand on all the beaches of this planet. That number is just, human mind cannot fathom how large that number is. In our own galaxy, Bennett, there's 100,000 million stars. Mm. Just think of our star and multiply that by 100,000 million. And the last number I'll leave you with tonight was the Kepler spaceship that we sent up a few years ago is basically a more fancy Hubble telescope. You've heard of Hubble telescope before. Mm-hmm. This, the goal of this um, device was to find planets outside our solar system because as of the year 2002, 2003, we had never even seen what a planet looks like outside our solar system. This spacecraft has documented 2,000 exoplanets. That's a planet that's outside our solar system. So the last math question I'll leave you with a minute is how many planets do you think are in the observable universe? This number is going to blow your mind. If, if the other numbers hasn't blown your mind this well, there's 720 quintillion, quintillion planets that scientists thinks that there are in the observable universe. Well, I'll quit the board on math now. But the reason I bring this up is you would be a fool and we would be fools if we believe that we're the only ones in this universe. The math just doesn't line up. It would be a complete waste of space, as uh, Carl Sagan said, that we are the only ones out there. So with that backdrop in mind, the UFO incident at Roswell is going to seem a whole lot more believable than that when you look at those math facts. Mr. Oswald's conspiracy and the JFK assassination. Guys, this is going to be a good one. I can already tell. Before before we move forward, before we move forward, I just want to call you out right now for your complete character assassination of Orson Welles. <laughs> to a reality <laughs> is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. He is one of the great American treasures of all time. His first film was Citizen Yes, which is the greatest movies ever made. And to say that he did War of the Worlds as a prank, it was not as a prank. It was him reading a story on the air. The problem with the War of the Worlds was people tuned in too late and missed the part where he said this is a story and then flipped out. And, but the basis of the whole thing was the, the country was pranked in, those people were pranked into believing there was a Martian invasion on the East Coast of the pranked. United States. They were late to the show. It wasn't. It was a misunderstanding, but still, it showed how gullible the people of this country could be when it comes to aliens. Was the basis? All right, Elrod. Too, you talked about um, calling Trump like the the reality star of the two thousands. Here's my first question of the night: bigger reality star of two thousands, Trump or the Kardashians? Ooh, <laughs> ooh. This That's a tough, tough one. I'll, I'll leave that up to Rut to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. Uh, geez, this is this is going to be a tough one on me, guys. I'm excited because I'm really excited to hear about these UFOs because yes. I think I know some about Roswell. So I need you to bring it and blow me away with some, some stuff I haven't heard before. Oh, I'm going to blow you away just like that UFO is blown out of the sky, but a lightning strike. That's how it's going to be. That's going to be. <laughs> I would make a book uh, now, but I think it would be in poor taste. Um, so <laughs> being, this is where we're going to cut off uh, for our Facebook feed. If you are watching us on Facebook right now, you want to see how this argument plays out. See the arguments on which conspiracy theory is more likely to be true. Form your own opinions on these two theories. You've got to listen in uh, tomorrow for you um, on YouTube if you want to watch us or wherever you get your favorite podcast if you want to listen to us. Uh, and if you are on YouTube or the podcast right now, we will be right back. And we are back. It's time to get into the weeds on aliens and UFOs and assassinations and conspiracies. Bennett, you're the captain of this ship. Where are we headed? All right. I figured before we get into these conspiracies and try to answer some of my questions that I have for both of y'all, I figured we should go ahead and start with the narrative, what they've um, told us that we need to believe, what what history tells us about these events that have went down. And Elrod, I want to start with you. I want you to tell me a little bit about what we are led to believe about uh, UFOs and aliens and specifically about Roswell. All right. Well, do you want to know? It depends on which version of the U.S. narrative you want. And I want to talk about that in a minute, why there's competing narratives within the U.S. government itself and not the UFO believers. We, I touched on this in the opening, Bennett, about how you really have to understand the year and the time that they were in. Uh, this was two years after the close of World War II. Russia, the Soviet Union, and the United States was locked uh, in the start of the Cold War between the two. The U.S. had just... Uh, used two nuclear weapons on the Japanese. The Russians were trying to get this knowledge, this power, and the U.S. was just very paranoid about there being spies inside their operation where they could uh, funnel these plans and designs to the Soviet Union. Well, I want to take you to Roswell, New Mexico. Roswell is... Um, Pretty, if you look at the geographic location of Roswell, it's near Los Alamos, where uh, the, for the first time that uh, people harnessed the power of the atom with a test of the uh, first nuclear weapon. And it's where the uh, Los Alamos uh, nuclear laboratory was, where, where they developed the atomic bomb. This was also the location of uh, some US uh, Air Force uh, planes and a uh, plant that was uh, there. So let's talk about Roswell for a minute. Roswell is about 75 miles north of the U.S. Air Force Base. It's a pretty deserted area. It's a very small town. William Brazil was a rancher 
in this part of the world. He was uh, one that was very interested in UFOs. He gets thrown into the national discussion when he brings some debris to the local sheriff at uh, Roswell. Now, the sheriff there looks and he has a quote, this kind of looks confidential like, was his quote. Is that quote? So he calls the US Air Force Base near Roswell and reports that there is some material that's been uncovered on a ranch near the police station. And he wants some Air Force people to come out and take a look and just see for themselves what it is. Well, the U.S. Air Force sent a man by the name of Jesse Marcel. Jesse Marcel is going to be the most important player in our discussion and not about Roswell. Jesse Marcel was an intelligence offer for the U.S. Air Force. What is an intelligence offer at this time? Uh, an intelligence off officer at this time was someone that had a lot of knowledge about airplanes. If it flew, this guy was going to know what it is, and he's going to know the plane model. He's going to know it all. When Mr. Marcel gets on site, he looks. He looks at material. He takes the material back to the Air Force Base. So what do you think the U.S. Air Force puts out in their press release? What do, what do you think they put out, Bennett? You think they covered it up? I would say that they said nothing to see here. We're going to take this and uh, nothing happened. You would be 100% wrong. The U.S. Air Force put out that a flying disc had crashed on a ranch near Roswell, New Mexico. They probably got some heat from that. They, yeah, a, a little heat. This in the town caused a ruckus. The town paper ran amok with this story. I mean, it's an official press release. So as with any government agency, you have superiors looking at this in terror that, oh my God, you're going to have everybody and the Russians coming to New Mexico trying to figure out what the crap is going on. So not even a couple hours later, you have all this U.S. military personnel descending on Roswell. And the first thing they did was make the local newspaper <laughs> uh, retract their story. And they put out a press release that said this was a weather balloon that crashed. So this is the second time that they mischaracterized this. They said it was a weather balloon, nothing to see here, nothing to be alarmed about. And this is where the U.S. government went a little too far. We talked about Jesse Marcel, the intelligence officer, earlier. They have him come to the Air Force base with a crashed weather balloon. We don't know if it, if it was the one they recovered at Roswell or if it's just another crashed weather balloon. And they made Jesse Marcel take a picture with this recovered material. And this recovered material had foil, rubber, and pieces of sticks. So the U.S. narrative, if you believe it, has Jesse Marcel, who is a very senior military agent, going to Roswell. And when he looks at this material, he says this material is not of this earth. 
But if you believe the U.S. narrative, they go back to the military base and he says, oh, well, this thing has foiled rubber and wood. This makes complete no sense. This is the official position of the U.S. government that its own agent believed that something that had foil, rubber, and wood was UFO. Are you kidding me? This is the best they could come up with. But this is the official U.S. narrative. Now, the other part to this was there was some talk about there being alien bodies being uncovered at Roswell along with the craft. The official U.S. military report says there were bodies recovered in this crash, but they were basically crash test dummies that they were trying to test how their new generation of parachutes work. The only problem with this narrative is this narrative came along a long time in the future. These crash test dummies did not uh, be, they were not in full use until the 50s. We're in 1947. So as you can see, the U.S. military narrative and the government's narrative is a little bit off. I mean, there's, there's, there's already some cover-ups in the official narrative. And the last thing I'll leave you with was that this is the U.S. explanation as to the weather balloon, right? The U.S. military comes out in 1994, a long time after and says, well, guys, it wasn't a weather balloon. What it was, was it was a uh, debris from a project called Project Mogul. Project Mogul was a classified project. Uh, the US knew the Russians would eventually get uh, an atomic bomb, that it was gonna leak out. They, they were gonna pay somebody off. They were gonna get that technology one way or another. The U.S. military wanted to preempt them by having the ability to detect when the Soviets launched these missiles and when they conducted tests. This balloon was designed to go up thousands of feet in the air and detect a nuclear blast. For whatever reason, uh, they did not want the Soviets to know that they had this technology. So th there's a cover-up initially in the U.S. narrative report. There's the second cover-up, and in 1994, we get the truth that, from their perspective, that, yeah, we lied because we didn't want the Soviets to think that we had something on them, and we had the ability to test when uh, they didn't want to know. The U.S. government didn't want the Soviets to know that they could test when they tested their bombs. That's essentially their explanation for it. As you can see, there's a lot of plot holes that we're gonna be talking about in their story later on. But this is the best our government can come up with in regards to the Roswell, call it incident of 1947. Okay, A, was it amateur hour with the Air Force guys right off the bat? Was it their first day on the job? That's my first question. Probably, <laughs> most likely. B, <laughs> How much, um, much of a donation did the newspaper get for this retraction? That's a good question, because after they do the retraction, they made this story, I mean, the picture that they had with Captain Marcel was very good. I mean, it, it's like, look at this piece of crap balloon we've got right here. And for 30 years, there was no reports whatsoever about Roswell. The Roswell UFO conspiracy did not take flight until 
70s. And I'll leave you with this. You ask about the donations. The rancher, uh, Mr. Brazil, after this left the ranch, he had a brand new house and two new cars in another section of New Mexico. How did he get that? That's been one of the big conspiracy theories. Like, did the government pay this guy off to go away? And we'll talk more about that later on. But that's very good questions, Bennett. Very good questions. I think the most logical thing is probably he uh, had one gigantic piggy bank that he finally decided to cash in on that piggy bank. Maybe or He sold one of the aliens. Maybe. It's very possible. I found this and it's mine. <laughs> How much? <laughs> One last question, too. Why did they just, if if they were worried about the Russians getting the technology, then why not right off the bat be like, yep, you know what? Yep, you found a, you found a UFO, and UFOs, uh, I guess they prefer U.S. technology to Russian technology and really mess with their brains. Why not, why not go that route with it, run with it? Well, the U.S government's report for 1947 said that there was over a hundred UFO sightings uh, in the Western United States. The U.S. was testing a lot of new aircraft out. That might be an explanation for it, but you're right. You know, um, they should have just came out and said, you know what? Aliens like us better. That would have been a better job than what they did. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, right. You, you talked about this a little bit in your opening statement about um, setting up the scene for uh, the JFK assassination. Is there, is there anything else that you want to add to this uh, this uh, so-called official story that we've been given about what happened that day in Dallas? Yeah, I, I, there's well, if we really want to dive in, there's a lot. But looking at a basic level of the official story, uh, I told the story in my opening statements of how John F. Kennedy was in Dallas in November of 1963. He was there uh, as kind of a, a goodwill gesture to kind of kick off his run for re-election in 64. Uh, he had done some fundraisers while he was there, uh, doing kind of really his first round of campaigning really wanting to establish a foothold in Texas uh, because Texas was a place where he was not very popular uh, compared to the rest of the country. So John F. Kennedy was in Dallas. Someone else who was in Dallas that day, according to the official story, uh, was a Lee Harvey Oswald. And Lee Harvey Oswald is a character of really great mystery because you have to remember this is 1963. Uh, it was a lot harder to keep track with people back then. You couldn't check their Facebook pages to see where they lived. You couldn't go after lunch. Yeah, you couldn't go to their LinkedIn pages to see their work history. Um, Lee Harvey Oswald was a bit of a mysterious character. Now. The CIA and the FBI already had their eye on Mr. Oswald because, as a matter of fact, at one point he had left America, renounced his American citizenship, uh, and moved to the Soviet Union and came back, defected from the Soviet Union, came back to the U.S. Uh, and you make a big 
Do what? <laughs> he couldn't make up his mind. Didn't, didn't the Soviets say, uh, you guys can have this guy back? Yeah. This guy's crazy. <laughs> he's crazy for us. Take him back. <laughs> but when he came back to the U.S., he spent some time in New Orleans uh, before eventually ending up with Dallas. And he was very vocal, very outspoken about being a supporter of Fidel Castro in Cuba. Um, and there's a lot of deep things I could go into uh, in that, but to spare us a few days, I won't. Uh, but anyway, Lee Harvey Oswald was in Dallas. Now, when Kennedy decided he was coming to Dallas, uh, in something that seems strange to us now, maybe it wasn't as strange in 1963, but his this route that the motorcade was going to be on was published in newspapers a few days beforehand. Um, because they wanted to get as many people that wanted to see the president there and know where they could be to see the president. Uh, again, that doesn't make sense to us now. Maybe in 1963 no. is a different story. Uh, something else that doesn't make sense to us now, maybe it was different then, a president riding through a major metropolitan area in a convertible doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us now, but again maybe it's because of 1963 that it doesn't make sense to us now but anyway mr oswald uh worked at the texas school book depository uh which was along the motorcade route now mr oswald had purchased um from a magazine different times although in texas you might still be able to uh a man liquor garcano uh italian military rifle for 1995 from a mail order um and he did it under an assumed name and the morning of again going by the official narrative here the morning of November 22nd, he brought his rifle with him to work, wrapped in a wrapped in a paper bag. And when asked what he was carrying, he told someone he was carrying uh, curtain rods. Why you would bring curtain rods to work, I still don't understand. But that seemed to be a believable story to whoever it was. It worked. Yeah. But anyway, uh, according to the official narrative, Mr. Oswald camped out in a sixth floor window. And as the motorcade came into Dealey Plaza on Elm Street there, made their turn, Mr. Oswald fired three shots from that school book depository window. His first shot missed, his second shot hit, both Mr. K President Kennedy and Governor Connolly with the same bullet, which is something I'll talk about quite a bit more here in a little bit. And then the third shot uh, was the kill shot. It was the fatal shot that ended up uh, murdering the President of the United States, John F. Kennedy. Now, Kennedy, like I said, was rushed to the hospital, pronounced dead a few minutes later. Oswald there really isn't an official story in full detail of what happened with him next. Uh, Dallas police searched the book depository not long after 
uh, the shooting took place and Oswald was already gone, but they found the man liquor Carcano and they found uh, three shell casings from his sniper's pit that he had built himself with boxes on the sixth floor. Uh, at some point um, along the way, his description was put out. Uh, they were looking for him. He shot and killed a Dallas police officer, uh, J.D. Tippett, who uh, recognized Oswald according to the narrative. And then a what got him caught was somebody saw him sneak into the Texas theater and not buy a ticket. And the police captured him in the theater where he had the revolver on him that he killed uh, Officer Tippett with. He was taken into custody uh, saying the entire time, I'm a patsy, I'm a patsy. Um, he was interrogated for something like 13 hours. And there are no official records of what was said or done in that interrogation. Uh, it was not recorded. So we don't know exactly what went on in that interrogation room, but two days later, they're going to transport Mr. Oswald from the Dallas city jail to the county jail to await his trial. And as they took him through the basement, through a flood of reporters who were let in, uh, a man by the name of Jack Ruby showed up and shot Mr. Oswald on live television in 1963 uh, and killed him. And because Oswald never faced a trial, uh, never spoke to anybody other than those that he was being interrogated by in that uh, interrogation room for 13 hours, leads a lot of why, who, how, where, a lot of these things that could have came out in trial, a lot of these things that could have came out through later confessions were gone at the hand of Jack Ruby's uh, pistol. And because of that, when you don't have all the facts as a human being, you try to fill in the gaps with your mind and you speculate. And when an event as big as this was, when there's that much speculation going on, some pretty crazy stories come out and that's what we're talking about on this episode you know that's a couple of observations one that just goes to show that you can pretty much bring a, a sniper rifle with you to work get away with it shoot and kill the president of the united states but if you get into a movie theater without a ticket <laughs> you're going down so don't even try that. That's number one. I present you Texas in the 60s. <laughs> no, that's num number two, Texas. You can get a gun from a magazine mailed to you. Yep. It's like the scholastic book order. You know how you, you buy a book? That's what this is. It's buy a gun. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And... The third thing, too, is kind of, I mean, without getting, this could be a conspiracy for another another show, but without giving too much of it away, it seems like um, what all happened with Lee Harvey Oswald, it, you know, with him, you know, 
um, being being killed before going on trial. That seems to be a template that we've seen throughout history since then when somebody might spill the beans or might say something that we shouldn't say or that the public shouldn't hear rather. You know, they just sort of kind of disappear. And I hope you'll answer this. Why, why did they not record the 13 hours? I thought that was pretty standard for them to record interrogations. It's very standard nowadays, but again, Texas in the 60s. <laughs> There's so much. The aliens did it. But so, Brad, I'll start with you. We we talked about these stories and Unless you have anything to uh, go against that, I guess, you know, it's pretty cut and dry. Lee Harvey Oswald had the gun. He went up there, fired the three shots, open and shut case, seems like. Bada bing, bada boom. Is there anything else that could have possibly have happened other than that? I think the general consensus is... There's a lot that happened other than that. The only problem we see here 60-some-odd years later or 50-some-odd years later is that nobody agrees on what did happen. This is something where almost everybody believes that what the government told us, what the Warren Commission told us, which I'll get more into what the Warren Commission was here in a little bit, a vast majority of people believe all that is bogus and they don't believe it. But nobody agrees on what the real story is. The JFK assassination in and of itself was so monumentous. There have been, it was estimated a couple years ago, over 2,000 different books written about that day in Dallas, Texas. And 95% of those books are anti what the narrative is. Hmm. They are anti what I just told you. Now, I'm going very, very basic on this answer because I told these two gentlemen before we started recording, if I did a lot of note-taking for this, this would be a several-hour show. If I did detailed, intense research on the show, this would be a several-day-long show. Like I said, there have been over 2,000 books written about this topic. There have been documentaries about this topic. There have been podcast episodes about this topic. Every person who even closely identifies themselves as a conspiracy theorist, this is the Mecca. And I would probably be considered one of those people in some sense. But let me just show you, instead of saying, oh, here's what the conspiracy theory is, there is no the conspiracy theory. But in the time since 1963, it has been estimated that a total of 42 groups, 82 assassins, and 214 different people have been accused at one time or another in various conspiracy theory scenarios regarding the murder of JFK. As far as who's behind it, take your pick. Um, the more popular ones are the mob, the CIA, 
the Secret Service, the Federal Reserve, Cuba, the Soviets, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson himself, um, George H.W. Bush has been tied by various people to the assassination of JFK. Donald Trump made sure we all know a few years ago that Ted Cruz's father is implicated in some stories uh, of who shot JFK. Anybody that was alive that had somewhat of a name in 1963 has probably been somewhat tied to the assassination of JFK. Um, are there conspiracy theories that have opposed the narrative? About a million of them. Uh, like I said, nobody can agree on what actually happened, but it's almost universally agreed that Lee Harvey Oswald did not shoot John F. Kennedy of his own volition and by himself. I mean, you got to think too from from his distance. I mean, he would have had to been an excellent marksman for one thing. Not to say that he couldn't have done it, but I don't know if we're going to get into that later. I don't know. Very much so. Very much so. Okay. Well, I'll just leave it at that. All right. Elrod. Yo. Talked about Roswell, and you you cleared you cleared the air. It, it was the weather balloon. Nothing to see here. So, um, should we just go ahead, or do you have anything that you think might go against the grain of of this super super believable story that the government came up with finally after two or three attempts? They finally got them. Uh, a story that they said was, was definitely this one is definitely what happened guys because what happened was this but well no it wasn't quite like that so it sort of kind of happened more like this guys and that's totally what happened so you know we have this misguided notion that our government has only been recently incompetent for the for the later part of the 20th century our government especially at the highest levels was always incompetent that's the reason why Another conspiracy theory that we could have chose for this show was is, was the moon landing fake. Do you really think that this government, who couldn't even do a press release, right, could put Apollo missions on the moon? I don't think they could fake that. I, there's no way they could have faked that. There's no way. They're, they're not competent enough. But my, um, the, the Roswell incident doesn't have all these alternative conspiracies. Uh, the number of different conspiracy theories like JFK does, the, the assassination attempt. It only has really one competing narrative. And I, I spoke about this earlier about how, you know, this didn't come, as far as the conspiracy, it didn't come into the limelight until about the 70s. People looked at the records and the official narrative about this incident because some of the townsfolk in Roswell were still kind of mystified by this. I mean, that was the only, their only claim to fame was this little brush up with the U.S. Air And there was a team of people, UFO researchers, in the 70s, UF, UF, uh, UFO researchers exploded on the scene because of the out at this time it just 
freedom counter narrative to the Roswell. Official story. This guy was saying aliens are real. Aliens are real. This this guy has credentials to back it up. It's kind of neutral on this. He wanted to get the real story. I want to tell you what his conclusion was and then go back to how he got there. This was the nuclear physicist's conclusion to Roswell. His conclusion was that at least one alien spacecraft crashed near Roswell, that alien bodies had been recovered, and there was at least one government cover-up of the official events that took place. Now, how did he get there? He went and did in-person interviews with uh, retired Air Force personnel and the people at the local Roswell paper who had a visit from uh, some Air Force folks after this uh, incident happened. Now, this is the holy grail of conspiracy theories for this reason right here. We had talked about Colonel Marcel or Captain Marcel earlier. He was retired around this time. He's, he's getting up there in age and he has a story to tell. This is what makes this conspiracy stronger than the JFK conspiracies because you've got somebody that was actually there, that actually was the first person other than the rancher to see uh, the spacecraft or whatever the craft was. This is a guy, if you, if you want to look at the JFK assassination, this would be like Henry Kissinger or Lyndon Baines Johnson coming out and saying, oh, there's a different narrative. It would be that equivalent because this guy has firsthand knowledge. He said to Mr. Friedman, he said, quote, what we recovered was not of this earth. This exploded this counter narrative because this is what UFO researchers have been looking for for a long time. Getting a government official on the record and saying that there may be confirmed UFOs. There may be confirmed alien bodies out there. Uh, after this interview with Friedman, this, you would not believe the amount of books, very similar to uh, JFK, that assass the assassination. People wanted to write books. People wanted to profit off of uh, the account. Uh, there was a movie made about it. Uh, there was countless books, as I mentioned. S the U.S. government created this monster and, and their incompetence. The... The narrative by Friedman said that the alien bodies that were, were recovered at Roswell went to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. We all have heard about Area 51 in Nevada. Area 51 uh, is developed uh, and built in the years following this. Area 51 really doesn't have any bearing on the Roswell case. It's, it's separate. A lot of people believe that the bodies are at Area 51, but the more likely place that these alien bodies are, it, are closer to us in Dayton, Ohio. Wright Patterson Air Force Base in the 20th century was where all the cool vehicles were that the Air Force uh, was built. All their high-tech vehicles, aircraft were in Dayton, Ohio. And a lot of UFO uh, conspiracy theories have said that these bodies are in Ohio and the U.S. Air Force has them under lock and key. 
a lot of people on their deathbed, uh, former military people have said that they have knowledge of these alien bodies and they die. And there's no cross-examination of these people. That's just their, their last breath is that it's a story they want to tell, but they're so scared of what's going to happen to them. They don't tell them unless they're about to die. So I wish we could get more out of these people, but I mean, this, can you imagine, I'll get into this in my closing statement tonight, but can you imagine, Bennett, if we had definitive proof that there is extraterrestrials out there and we're not alone? This is the evidence these people have. So this is what makes my conspiracy theory stronger tonight. I have firsthand accounts. First-hand accounts. That's what I've got. You do have first-hand accounts. And the uh, thing with those accounts, too, is you, the people that have um, kind of went on record and said that they have knowledge about this stuff or they've seen with their own eyes, even, even the aliens, not so much even the, the craft that I'm about 99.99% sure we do have, they talked about, you know, seeing the aliens and things that they've done with these, even, uh, even, um, we even had captured one of them that was alive. I believe I heard at some point, but why would uh, the one more people... thing I'll say, Bennett, is a lot of people, uh, in the UFO, I guess it's a field research field have said that the explosion of new technology that we had in the later part of the 20th century can be traced back to the research being done on these, uh, vehicles and equipment at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and Area 51. It is awful uh, convenient, you know, when you think about it. And these people that are on record saying that they, you know, they saw this or they saw that, we're not talking about Cletus who was out feeding his chickens and seen something <laughs> in the sky. We're talking about, you know, very, very respected individuals, very professional people too that – you know, I said on their deathbed, say, you know, this is something that I want to, you know, I want to say before I do pass. So it's just very, 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 very interesting to hear what they have to say. And like I said, I, tell you, I wish there could have been some more cross-examination other than on their deathbed say, well, I saw this, peace. But I want to backtrack just a little bit before we get into a little bit more we're starting to kind of gain some steam on some of these conspiracies but let's kind of back it a little bit and let's go back to um back to the narrative back to what is i guess kind of the bread and butter of of both of these conspiracies and let's talk a little bit about some of the concrete proof and some of the facts that we have that do help support these uh, narratives that we've been given. Um, heck, I'll start with you, Robert, since you, since you just got finished talking. Let's start with you. What, what are some of the facts behind yeah. um, narrative? So the government's position, and it, 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 admittedly, it's a strong position. They say that most of the accounts and most of the evidence comes from hearsay. If you bring the evidence that the UFO side has into court, most of it is not admissible. It's from secondhand accounts. 
And the reason that is, is because this conspiracy didn't really get cooking until 30 years after the events. A lot of people were dead uh, that had firsthand knowledge there uh, in Roswell. Now, the Holy Grail person uh, is Colonel uh, Marcel, and he was still living when he was being interviewed. But if you look at the number of people that had firsthand accounts, 41 people were still living in the 70s that had firsthand accounts. And the government's position to the 41 is, well, let's analyze the 41. Only 23 of those have been reasonably thought to have seen physical evidence of a crash. And of those 23, only seven have uh, asserted anything otherworldly about the origin of the debris on site. So there's only seven people that were interviewed by UFO researchers that have been able to um, confirm anything weird about this being aliens or something like that. So the government's position is, well, you have your theory, but you can't prove it because all your evidence is hearsay. Convenient. That's a very convenient um, uh, position to take, but it's a strong position to take. We only have seven people. Government's position was also strengthened when you consider uh, Marcel kind of, he had a deathbed confession, but before that he kind of said, yeah, it might've been, it might've been just sticks. He kind of recanted his thing before he died, but before he died, he kind of changes. So he was, he was waffling on what his story really was. And that's another strength to the case is the government's like, aha, your best witness can't even get his story straight. So when you got that, you couple that with there's only seven people that have firsthand accounts. It kind of uh, muddies the water on the other side's case. My thing is, um, how old was he, though, when he kind of went back on his word? Was he... He was, he was in the 70s. He, he, was, he was older for, he was an older man in the 1970s by then. Yeah, I think somebody that's went through the majority of their life under scrutiny and this and that, that's going to kind of make you, and you're, the government's pounding you saying, you know, this is what happened, this is what happened. I mean, I could go, um, get off the air and go pour me something to drink. And then somebody say, no, you didn't, no, you didn't. And then after years and years and years, you're like, well, did I? You know, so it's that's one thing to kind of consider about that. And I mean, if I was a government too, and I was that um, sure of myself, why not let all forty-one people that had their first-hand account? Why not let all forty-one people um, give their side since they say, "Oh no, no, not not them." Not them. Why? Why? What do you What are you worried about? All right, uh, right. Tell me a little bit about the facts of what we know this may be my shortest answer but the fact is there's not a lot of things to dispute obviously kennedy was in dallas kennedy died um there are some conspiracy theories that will tell you that kennedy didn't die it was a body double i knew that was coming <laughs> there, there's so many conspiracy theories tied to this there are a lot that make you think and there's some that with a lot of things are outright ridiculous and stupid that being one of them uh another being outright and stupid is the fact that lee harvey oswald wasn't even there 
or Lee Harvey Oswald had a body double that the CIA had created. Some of these things are a bit outlandish, but the facts that support the government narrative, Lee Harvey Oswald was there. Lee Harvey Oswald was in Dallas. Lee Harvey Oswald was in the Texas School Book Depository on the sixth floor. The bolt action man liquor carcano, that is the supposed murder weapon, was found on that sixth floor uh, in his sniper's pit with his handprints all over it. Lee Harvey Oswald was there. That was his gun. There's not a lot. I mean, there's a lot of evidence that shows it was his gun. Six months before the shooting took place, he took a picture in his backyard holding this gun after he had bought it. Um, his wife knew he had this gun. Um, so there's no disputing it. There's no disputing he was in the school book depository that day because he worked there. His co-workers saw him there. Um, and they knew he was there right up until the time that the shooting took place. Um, those facts are completely support the narrative. Uh, there are a lot of conspiracies that have to do with the shooting of Officer Tippett, but the revolver that Officer Tippett, Officer Tippett was killed with afterwards was found on Lee Harvey Oswald's person when he was arrested in the theater. Um, so these kind of facts prove, they kind of prove the outlandish theories wrong and stupid. To say Hartley wasn't even there or didn't have anything to do with it, he was just set up. The gun was found in that window with his handprints all over it with plenty of evidence showing that was his gun. Um, so that's probably the strongest evidence to, to support the narrative um, of the official story. That and the fact there were three shell casings found uh, in that sniper's pit. You know, for uh, with all due respect to Mr. Oswald, um, every time, you know, you start talking about the facts and he has the picture with him with the gun, I can't help but think of that line in Forrest Gump where Forrest says, I'm not a very smart man. <laughs> you know, I mean, if this, we're not talking about the criminal of the century here as far as wits and how cunning he is by any means. It's, I mean, like you said, this could easily have been a two, three, four parter episode with everything just on facts, not even talking about conspiracies. But we are here to talk about the conspiracy. So, Rut, tell me a little bit about some of the some of the facts or some of the hardcore evidence that we have that kind of do lean towards some of these conspiracies that might not be as outlandish and crazy as some people may think. I just want to be completely transparent with our listeners here. I have read, listened, watched a lot about the JFK assassination, and I am aware there are so many inconsistencies with this narrative that just this subtopic alone could take me a couple hours to answer. 
So for anybody that does know what they're talking about and you're listening or watching to this and think, well, he left A, B, and C out. You know what? You're exactly right. I did. Cause I don't want to sit here all night. There are a lot of things that are inconsistent that seem to be off that go against the narrative. And I am not even coming close to covering all of them. As a matter of fact, picked out four. Four out of literally probably hundreds. Uh, Jesse Ventura, former governor, former WWE superstar, wrote a book a few years ago, uh, his own book, and I think it was like 113 inconsistencies, and he every chapter was detailing them. Um, I'm not going into that much detail. I'm looking at mm-hmm. the four in my eyes, the big four and somebody else's eyes, I'm probably leaving out something major, but again, we're going as basic as possible here. Cause I don't want to be here for days. And the first thing I want to look at is the bolt action Carcano Manlaker Carcano rifle. That is supposedly the murder weapon. As I said, evidence has shown despite the crazy conspiracies, conspiracy theories it was oswald's gun oswald had it on the sixth floor that day in the school book depository and he fired that gun but did he make contact with the president and were there only three shots fired that day and i want to break this down into just a few separate parts and the first thing is Oswald's marksmanship. Now, there's been a lot of debate about this. Oswald was in the military before he went to the Soviet Union. He was in the military. He graded kind of low, from what I can tell, on his marksmanship. He was by no means a sniper at all. Uh, He was probably slightly better than your average marksman but by no means an expert marksman when he was in the military. Could he have taken that time and been a frequent visitor at the gun range from long distance shots? Maybe, I don't know. But the fact is his marksmanship doesn't seem to be that great. And to hit, according to the narrative, two out of three shots, because according to the narrative, the first shot missed. To hit two out of three shots is pretty it's been tested since then and it can be done but it is done by the sharp shooting sniper military snipers that are the best in the world can hit the target two out of three times much less a moving target at that distance at that angle with a tree in the way right real quick do you know their success rate for these like sharp shooter uh snipers what their kind of what their rate was two out of three wow what they're saying that Oswald did another thing I want to look at is the gun in question and this is highly debated and to be honest I'm not enough of a gun nut to know what set of facts is true here but it's been argued by a lot of people that this man liquor carcano especially for distance shooting was not worth a crap 
It was not very accurate. And the fact that he bought it for 20 bucks out of a magazine, granted 20 bucks in 1973, I think he quotes like 160, $170 today, but still under $200 for a rifle you bought from a magazine, it's probably not going to be highest grade quality. So again, they're saying that Oswald used this to kill the president. Um, lastly, I want to say the number of shots and the amount of time those shots got taken off. They said that he got off three shots in like 5.6 seconds, which is possible if there's a clip and thus making it more of an automatic. But there are mixed stories on whether a clip was found with the gun, A, and B, there were witnesses who were on the fifth floor of the school book depository watching the motorcade go by who heard the shots and heard him using the bolt action, manually loading the bullets. You're telling me this guy could manually load and cock and shoot three times in under six seconds? Seems a little bit not likely. Not without aiming. Exactly. <laughs> and not sacrifice his aim while doing that. Um, and another thing is the number of shots. There were three shell casings found in his little sniper pit. But amongst eyewitnesses there that day, which surprisingly there's not a lot of, that were actually interviewed. It's like 60 or 70 out of probably a thousand people standing around. But more than half of those people claim to have heard four or five shots. Whereas the shell casings would show that Oswald fired three. And could he hit with all three? And that goes into my next thing. The second one I want to look at is the location of these shots. And I think one word or two words that are synonymous with the JFK assassination, the grassy knoll. Of those 60 to 70 people that were official eyewitnesses that were actually interviewed, 12 or 13 of them in the midst of all this chaos saw a puff of smoke coming from the grassy knoll. More than half of them, judging by what they heard, thought that the gunman was on the grassy knoll because it sounded like that's where the shots are coming from. And probably the most famous Thing about this that was really brought to light by the Oliver Stone movie in the early 90s which is a fantastic movie JFK with my favorite actor of all time Kevin Costner but if you look at the Zapruder film which for those that don't know there was a gentleman named Mr. Zapruder who is an amateur filmmaker who caught the assassination of Kennedy on film because he was recording it if you look and just use basic knowledge, again, I'm not a huge gun nut. I know a little bit about guns, not a lot. But the kill shot on John F. Kennedy, if you look at his head, when that kill shot hit, 
his head went back into the left, which is reiterated over and over in that movie, back into the left. Supposedly, Oswald shot him from behind. You would think if he got shot in the back of the head, that the head would go forward. And if he got shot in the front, that it would go backwards. Back into the left would indicate he got shot from his right in front of him. And to his right in front of him was the grassy knoll. The back of Kennedy's head came off. That's not consistent with an entry wound from a combat rifle. That's consistent with an exit wound coming out the back of his head. Thus leading me personally to believe there was, that the kill shot came from the grassy knoll. Two more things. I'll try to get through these quickly. I know I'm babbling, but the official government story of the second shot Oswald took is even more ridiculous than weather balloons. And that is the theory of the magic bullet. This magic bullet, the second shot, supposedly that Oswald shot, hit Kennedy in the back, came out right underneath his Adam's apple and then turned and hit Connolly, Governor Connolly in the shoulder, came out of right underneath his nipple, went through his wrist and into his thigh. This one bullet that the Warren Commission, which I'll get into in just a second, said had no blood, no trace of human tissue, no trace of human of clothing, and was not severely damaged off of this Carcano bullet, which the gun is not necessarily as powerful as a lot of weapons could be. And the government story is that this bullet had one, two, three, four entry wounds on two different people and three exit wounds and didn't do a lot of damage to the bullet. Baloney. (laughs) And not to mention it changed direction in between. They want you to believe that it changed direction coming out of Kennedy into Connolly. Yet if it hit something hard enough to change its direction, it probably would have done a little more damage to the bullet. And then the last thing I want to look at, the last big hitter, is the Warren Commission, which was put together by Lyndon B. Johnson to investigate, looking into whether, to what happened that day. Red flag number one with the Warren Commission is that Lyndon Johnson is on record saying he wants the Warren Commission to find that Harvey Oswald acted alone. There's a lot of reasons why that could be. The most simple reason that doesn't go into conspiracy theories is he doesn't want it to be linked to Cuba. He doesn't want it to be linked to the Soviets because he doesn't want to start a nuclear war. This is 1963. He was afraid if Oswald is tied to that, that that would start a nuclear war. If Oswald is this crazy guy working on his own, then it's just a crazy guy and there's not any outside forces. But the Warren Commission 
there were so many witnesses they didn't interview. There was so much evidence given to them that they just ignored. And I won't go uber deep into this, but there is one thing I want to point out, that in 1979, um, the Warren Commission did end up saying what I said was the narrative earlier, that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, uh, fired three shots, two of them hit, killed the president, injured Governor Connolly. But in 1979, there was a United States House Select Committee on Assassinations that was kind of set up to fact check the Warren Commission uh, 15 years after the Warren Commission. And this House of Representatives committee found that it was probably too likely that Lee Harvey Oswald did not work alone and that John Kennedy was found or was killed as the result of a conspiracy and that the Warren Commission was bogus and full of crap <laughs> was basically what was found by this other house committee uh, 15 years after the fact. And again, like I said, I could go an hour or two on each of those points I just made. But regardless, those points don't really look into who was responsible, but they sure seem to make the official story that Oswald did it on his own not very likely. You know, one thing they don't really teach you so much in the history books, and it's a shame, is the Warren Commission was actually printed on a coloring book that's that's about as detailed as it was was a coloring book yeah and you, one, and you know when you you know like when you get to a coloring book and you flip through the pages and then there's that page where you have to like connect the dots because it's not very detailed and it's like okay well you just need to connect the dots yourself and you'll come up with an image yourself that's the warren commission it's a coloring book and i do want to point out one more thing about the warren commission Obviously, it was made public, but the work that was used, their notes, so to speak, are still sealed under record, and a lot of them, nearly 60 years later, are still not available to the public. Hmm. Why? No. So. All right. Well, now that my mind's pretty much blown, um, <laughs> All right, I want you to tell me a little bit about the facts that support these conspiracies, UFOs. You know, he just hit the nail on the head when he talked about, you know, records being under seal, confidential records. In the 90s, what explanation do you think the government had for the uh, the Roswell documents that detail the the, mo the most infamous conspiracy theory in the history of this country about UFOs? What do you think their explanation was? Their explanation for the Roswell conspiracies. For the mm -hmm. records associated. What do you think their explanation was for the records? Uh, you... You would be bored. Not it. only did they say they were confidential, they said they were all destroyed in a fire. But mm. that 
They destroy it in a fire. Did they make a copy? It just goes. If they made a copy, say, we could see the copy. Let's say that we take their word for it, that it was destroyed in a fire. It's we talked about this layer of incompetence. This this is the biggest cluster of all time when it when it comes to the US government's uh, attitude and role in this investigation. But let's talk about some more facts that support this conspiracy theory. We've already talked about a lot of them. Uh, the key one is this. Are we to believe that a U.S. Army intelligence officer that trains for years uh, with knowledge of airplanes, goes to school, goes to, gets a college degree, do you really think he comes up on this crash scene and sees this wreckage and says this object is not of this earth? He said that to the newspaper reporter. He takes it back to the base, writes a press release about it with assistance from other people. Are we to believe that that Army intelligence officer mistake it for some pieces of sticks and rubber bands? Because that's what the U.S. government's official narrative of this incident is. It is unbelievable uh, that that's the narrative. We're not talking about uh, Jethro that's out there. You know, we're talking about a very well-respected man that knows what he's talking about. That's exactly right. Unless maybe he had a brain fart. And he's like, hmm, this kind of looks like something not from her. <laughs> you know, uh, Marcel's account said that this material, uh, the, the reason why he said it was not of this earth, you could take it and mold it and it was like modern day memory foam. I would be willing to bet you don't get my pillow without these aliens crashing in the Roswell in 1947. That's as far as I, I, I <laughs> you don't get the my pillow man. He may be an alien, but you don't get him if it wasn't for Roswell. This was the first memory foam. He, oh. uh, Marcel's account says he took it. He rolled it up in a ball. He gave it to other people too. And it automatically went back to the shape. That the sounds US like a story. At the time, did not have any materials that could do this. I know, the key support of this conspiracy comes from the seven people that have first hand accounts. It comes from the newspaper reporters, Erin Roswell. It comes from Marcel. This was a respected military officer at the time. He was put in a lost, if you, think of it like this. New Mexico at the in, in late 40s was the hub of everything in the U.S. Air Force. You had Los Alamos with, uh, with the Manhattan Project. You had uh, the Roswell Air Force Base that housed the Anoya Gay that dropped the bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. This was like Disneyland for the U.S. Air Force. It sends their most respected intelligence officer out to investigate this. He does report, and not even three hours later, you have people from Washington, people from other states coming in saying, you've got to change this. And my question is, why? Why do they want the narrative to be changed? And this goes um, to some more conspiracies about this uh, wreckage. The U.S. government did not... <laughs> let's say that they did recover alien bodies and alien spacecraft. They didn't want the public, no. I mean, that, 
this, I'm going to talk about this in the closing argument, but if it, if we ever had definitive proof that there's alien bodies, alien spacecrafts, how would that affect society as a whole? And I think the U.S. government at the time was making a calculus. This isn't going to be good for religious implications, for things in our society if we're not the only ones out there. And I think they were terrified, and they saw this story, and they immediately had to change it. So I don't have all these alternative conspiracy theories like JFK. You can go a thousand different ways with JFK, but really the only the only question is, well, was there a spacecraft? Were there aliens, or were there not? And the, fl the uh, flip side of this that the people in the UFO crowd will say was, we have witnesses, we have the smoking gun witness intelligence officer that backs us, and they don't. How in the world do they lose all the records related to Roswell in a fire? It's maddening. Like you said, you think they would have a copy of everything, but they didn't, or they might, but they don't, they don't claim that they do. It's maddening, really. <clears throat> now tell me what what do you think you know we've got um we've got the facts we've got the conspiracies but what do you think what do you think happened was it was it a ufo that crashed or was it something else um if it was something else what did the rancher find and what do you think that why the government is being so like sketch with all this if it wasn't a big deal you know well Here's what I believe. I believe if you believe Marcel's account that this was uh, a vehicle not of this earth, and let's say there were alien bodies discovered, you don't, if you're the U.S. and you're in a cold war with the Russians, you do not want to tip them off that you've got this uh, technology not from earth and you've got alien bodies. You don't, <laughs> this, uh, one of the conspiracy theories is that the U.S. government was so mad with Marcel that they brought him in and had this photo op just to punish him for putting out that uh, there was flying saucers in Roswell, New Mexico. So if you take, if you, if you believe the narrative, um, you don't want the Russians to know that you've got this tech and you want to experiment with it. You want to copy the technology. Uh, if, if you believe his account, this material, um, able to fold it, bend it, and it, that's useful stuff. There's a lot of evidence, a lot of people that believes that these bodies did not go to Area 51, but went to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Wright-Patterson Air Force Base during this time was the most guarded uh, structure that the U.S. government had, probably other than the White House, because of uh, the secret technology that they had and maybe the alien bodies. Now, if I go the other way with it, let's say that Marcel's full of crap. Let's say that he was excited when he got there and he and he just wanted to he wanted it to be aliens. How in the world when he brought the materials back did they put out the press release? And how did the the sheriff of Roswell was the first one that got the materials? He thought it was not of this earth. You, you, you give it to Marcel. How did the U.S. government put out a press release? and say that this was a flying saucer. That's what they said. That's what the U.S. government said. 
And here's why I believe it was the case. When you look at this case, let's look at this year as a whole. 2020 has been hell for everybody. It, th this year has been hell for everybody. It has been a year. It's, it, someone told me today, this has been a decade worth of events in one year that we've had with the pandemic. The U.S. government, though, is a little, is clever. And me and Rutt talked about this earlier this summer. The biggest news of the year is not the pandemic. It was that the U.S. government has confirmed the existence of UFOs back in July. And let's see here. I want to give you the exact quote. The U.S. government for years has been spending millions of dollars on, on a this is a non-classified uh, panel, a UFO unit. There is a UFO unit that us taxpayers are paying for. In that, in, uh, back in July, they released a statement that said, the U.S. government has objects of undetermined origin that have crashed on Earth and materi materials have been recovered. This is like a news dump. They dropped this during the middle of a pandemic, during the middle of this crazy year. And no one's talking about it. The story is out there. This would have been front page news any other year. And they were smart to dump it in 2020. Because I don't, I think people would, people still care. But they got a lot of other issues going on right now. We do as a country. D during the middle of election year, it was very clever of them to drop this this year. So the U.S. government finally, I think, has admitted, we do have these vehicles. We're not going to tell you which ones we got, but we do have them. And they've admitted this. So I'm just going to go with the U.S. government's position now that they do exist. Now I'm confused. Do we believe the government? do we not believe the government because like what they've done is that they've planted that seed and now you're like wait are they on oh, my side now so, and yeah it's exactly like you said you know when that news came out you know everybody's right in the middle of this COVID-19 stuff so <clears throat> it hit news outlets once and it was just a little blurb that said Oh, yeah, UFOs are real. All right, back to uh, COVID. That's exactly what happened. You're just like, oh, hmm, well, yeah. he's right all along. Yep. It's, yeah, it's crazy stuff. How many How many people probably, if you asked 100 people, um, you know, what's the biggest story of 2020, how many of those 100 are going to say that it's the government confirming the ufos zero probably lower than that <laughs> <laughs> negative <laughs> exactly um i just it's just interesting you know we we're living in some interesting times fellas very very interesting times yeah. all right right i'm really interested to hear this one because i do know you've you've done quite a bit of uh your share of research throughout the years about this so we're finally going to hear what mr rutherford thinks what happened with all this conspiracy surrounding the jfk assassination 
I don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist in the sense of how people think when you say conspiracy theorist. I am someone that is finds conspiracy theories fascinating. Uh, I have listened to probably by this point literally hundreds of different podcasts on different conspiracies, uh, a lot of different ones that just fascinate me. If we really look at it, how many of those do I believe? 2%, 1%. If we add in some that make me think there might be a little something hinky there, maybe 4 or 5%. I'm fascinated by conspiracy theories. I don't believe a lot of them. But on December 20th, November 22nd, 1963, what the Warren Commission said happened in Dallas, Texas at 12.30 p.m. in Dealey Plaza, I completely believe is bogus and it's crazy. I have read a couple books, watched several documentaries, listened to pretty much any podcast I could find speaking on the matter. Well, who was behind the assassination of John F. Kennedy? I don't know. I can't tell you who was behind it. I can't tell you who did it. I can't tell you whose brainchild it was. In my opinion, with everything I've read and seen and made my own uh, deductive reasoning, do I think Lee Harvey Oswald fired a man liquor Carcano from the Texas School Book Depository at John F. Kennedy? Yes. I absolutely believe Lee Harvey Oswald fired at John F. Kennedy from the Texas School Book Depository. Was it of his own volition? No. He was doing it for someone else. Who that someone else is, I don't know. Do I believe he was the only person firing at John F. Kennedy? No, I do not. I believe there was a gunman on the grassy knoll. Who was that gunman? Was it Ted Cruz's father? Probably not. But who was it and who did they work for? I don't know, but I do believe the kill shot that splattered pieces of the president's skull and brains on the back of that limousine came from in front of him slightly to his right, on the grassy knoll. And whoever did that got away with it. Whoever led that person to do that got away with it. Now, if you're asking me who do I think was behind it, there, there's so many theories out there, I don't know. The juicy story, the one that sounds... The sexy story, the CIA, the FBI, Lyndon B. Johnson, I don't think so. Cuba, the Soviets, eh, not really. If you put a gun to my head and told me to make a decision on who I think was behind it, and again, I, don't, I would not bet money on this, but if you made me make a guess, I'm going to say the mob. And I say the mob because of this. I don't think it was necessarily 
completely because they were against John F. Kennedy himself. They were against the Kennedys in general. More specifically, John F. Kennedy's brother under his uh, presidency was the um, drawing a brain fart. Um, yes. Robert F. Kennedy who later was assassinated a few years later. But one of his big initiatives was going after the mob and ending organized crime. And if you ask me, the message sent to Robert F. Kennedy was carried out on John F. Kennedy in Dealey Plaza in Dallas, Texas. Would I put money on that? No. But of the hundreds and thousands, probably, conspiracy theories out there, from everything I've looked at and gathered and seen and heard, I think that one is the most plausible theory. You know, it's, there's so much, and it's so, so deep with everything that's surrounding this conspiracy. You know, even with Oswald, there's so many bits and pieces of him that you didn't get to cover and all his little little connections you can make and then there's all the connect connections with um john f kennedy because i know he was a really loved president but if we're being real he he had a lot of stuff going on some stuff that you know i don't know how you put it he, he uh i don't know what do you say he's he kind of had his hand in a lot of pots, you know, and stirred them up a little bit, if you want to say that. Um, so, you know, it's when you think about the JFK assassination, it's it's almost like, um, for lack of a better word, just like the perfect conspiracy because it's it's so entangled, and we'll never know. There's people that know the truth, but. No, never, ever, ever, ever come to light. I don't think that's just that's just what I personally think. Maybe, but maybe one day those parts, the notes of the Warren Commission that are still under under file that aren't available to the public, maybe someday they will be. Um, part of me thinks if they were ever going to become public, they already would have. Maybe they'll magically burn as well. Who knows? Wouldn't be. But, all right. We're going to skip right into our closing arguments here and close this thing up. And I believe, Rut, I believe you start us off here. Give me your closing argument. The point of this show, the format of this particular episode, me and Elrod were talking, we did it the wrong way. Next time we talk about conspiracy theories, we'll do it the right way. But with this show, we're looking at these two conspiracy theories and Bennett, we're trying to convince you which one is more likely. Now, if you ask me, there's merit to both of these conspiracy theories. I've not gone as extensively in Roswell as I have JFK, but I've I've listened to some podcasts. I've heard some facts that go into a lot deeper than Mr. Elrod did. 
thankfully, so we're not here another few hours. But with that, with the Roswell case, we're talking about it's either this or it's that. There's nothing in between. It, it's one of two things. Either it was aliens or it wasn't. And that's that. With JFK, it's so convoluted. It's either what the government says that the government themselves has said is bogus. Because it's either what the Warren Commission said that another House committee said sucked. Or it's a thousand other things. <laughs> but the official narrative of Lee Harvey Oswald did it. He did it of his own volition. He did it by himself. No matter what the true fact is of these thousand conspiracy theories, I think there's a, more than enough proof out there to show that I don't know which one of these thousand is true, but this one isn't. They say where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's more smoke in this thing than Snoop Dogg's limousine. Mm -hmm. Something that happened there in 1963 in Dallas, Texas, something happened. I don't know what. I don't know who. I don't know why. But I am much more convinced that it was not Lee Harvey Oswald on his own accord by himself i'm much more convinced of that than i would be of either argument of was it aliens or was it not i don't know what really happened why john f kennedy was assassinated but i think it's almost unquestionable that it wasn't what the narrative is hmm. all right bring us home all right well, he said um, in his closing argument, we don't know in the Kennedy assassination if the government's narrative was true or not. Well, we know for a fact with the Roswell case that the uh, first and second government explanation is false. They've come out and said, oh yeah, we lied. <laughs> so there, there's no gray area with this. We know for a fact they lied and deceived the American people. I touched on this earlier about math. Let's not really talk about the math. Let's talk about something that really springs from that. Recently in the last month, scientists have made some interesting discoveries with respect to life outside of this planet. Venus, which has always been thought as a very toxic planet, not capable of sustaining life, Scientists within the last month have found um, up in the clouds of Venus, there can be life. With our Mars rover on Mars, they have found there may be water under the polar ice caps of Mars. We talked about the 32 quintillion planets in the known universe. We haven't talked about the unknown universe. I should have took astronomy, astronomy in college because this stuff has just blown my mind about how each day we learn more of the universe because there's some light that hasn't even got to the earth yet from the creation of this universe. It's maddening that each day we're getting new data about how big this place really is. With that as a backdrop, it 
it would be maddening for someone to believe that we're the only people in this vast expansion. So that makes Roswell more believable. Now, some people may say this place is so screwed up. Why would why would an alien spacecraft even care about coming to this place? They probably lock their doors on the way by. Honestly, I would if I came by this place, roll up their windshield. That's what I would do. But I think aliens did come to the Earth in Roswell. Um, just take the own government intelligent agent uh, agents word for it. Take Marcel's word for it. Take the newspaper people. Take the uh, farmer that saw this with his own eyes. There's a couple more things I want to show you. Uh, we've talked about the possibility of there being UFOs uh, in alien life. I, can, can I share a screen, right? There's something I want to, want to show you. Can I do that? Go for it. I'll say YouTube exclusive. <laughs> yeah. Are you seeing, is there a black screen? No. I see oh. nothing. I see nothing. Okay. There we go. See that? What do you think this picture is right here? Hmm. Um. I'll tell you for the sake of time. This is March 13th, 1997 in Phoenix, Arizona. This picture right here is probably the most famous UFO picture of all time. This, uh, this formation of seven lots, these lots, you can't see it in the video, but this is not a video, it's a still frame, but these lots go on and off, on and off. The witnesses here in Phoenix claim that this was a massive spacecraft that uh, was over the area that night. There's only four uh, pictures and there's a video of this, but this just shows you that, oh, by the way, the U.S. government has not been able to explain this. They, they tried. They said, oh, this is an experimental spacecraft that we're using, but they've not been able to supply any pictures, any, anything in the last 23 years to what this thing is. This is characterized as the lots over Phoenix. So stop share. We're not alone in this universe, Bennett. The math doesn't add up. The math is in my favor tonight. And the last thing I'll leave you with is Rutt said earlier that Lee Harvey Oswald has never stood trial. He actually has in a fictional sense. One of my mentors, uh, one of my attorney mentors is a, a guy by the name of Jerry Spence. Jerry Spence was the, he was the quintessential defense lawyer of the 20th century. Before Johnny Cochran, Jerry Spence was the wild cowboy wearing cowboy hat lawyer from Wyoming. He defended a bunch of high profile cases in the 60s and 70s. He never lost a case until this case. The London, there's a London broadcasting company and what they wanted to do was put Lee Harvey Oswald on trial on national TV. Have a real uh, judge, federal judge, have a real jury and bring real witnesses in to trial the case. The prosecutor for this case was LA District Attorney General Vincent Bogoski. 
and he had he was well known because he never lost a single case uh felony case 106 cases never lost a felony case jerry spence had never been beaten too so it's like the in, the immovable object and the irresistible force to meet in this case jerry spence lost lee harvey oswald was convicted and he was uh found by the jury of being the only one involved for the assassination of john f kennedy and that occurred in 1986 so he has stood his trial about 23 years too late, but he has been tried by a jury and found to be the only perpetrator uh, in Dealey Plaza. So the truth is out there, Bennett. Truth is out there. And the truth is that aliens are real. And I win. Two things. A, you're an attorney. You should know that if Mr. Oswald wanted to take the stand, he has that right. He didn't have that right in that case, so I'm calling mistrial. Number two, what is up with aliens in the Southwest United States? That's a good question. Very good question. I was thinking earlier, before you put up the Phoenix thing, if Roswell is true, it was definitely a crash and not an intended destination, because why would they land in New Mexico, of all places on Earth? One of the conspiracy theories about that is the aliens were monitoring the nuclear test at Los Alamos and lightning strikes the craft and they crash in the Roswell. It was not their intended destination. And they were not checking into Roswell. <laughs> you know, you see a lot of, um, at least if you, if you follow this sort of thing, a lot of videos and stuff from Mexico as well. I don't know what they're doing in Mexico either. I don't know if they're trying to import the tequila to fuel their ships or what. I don't know. But. <laughs> or maybe the fireworks. I don't know. But. What's really, really fascinating about both of these, not only to me, are these two of the more fascinating and um, really you can make a strong case for both of these conspiracies, but it's the fact that, you know, none of us were there in Roswell or in Dallas, either one. So it is, I mean, there's, you can look at your, your evidence that you that that they've been presented to us. Is that all of it? Or is that just what they want us to see? And it could be like that for both of them, really. So then there's the other part of it where it's up to you to make your best educated guess at what you think happened. And that's, that's what I think about both of these is you have to come up with what you believe happened on both of these. And for me, I absolutely 100% do believe, this is just me, I might be crazy, but I do believe that... They, they found something in Roswell and it was really, really sketch. And it's been sketch after that until 2020 when they're like, oh yeah, yeah, there's, there's some aliens out there, but we could do so many shows just on UFOs. And in regards to the JFK assassination, there's so many things that are unanswered and people cannot answer them. Why can't they answer them? You know, we're, you know, we're a fairly new country, but we have a lot of history and there's 
history for everything that we can support and have the facts for and it's laid out in front of you and you're like oh okay yeah sure but when it comes to jfk and everything that went down why do we not have everything that we need to know what are they keeping from us and why is there so many conflicting stories it shouldn't be this complicated so i 100 percent think there's more to it than just what we've been given for whatever reason whether it be the mob or be uh the soviets or whoever uh maybe it was a it could have even just been you know somebody that um was a vigilante or something you never know i mean it's it's a crazy idea but you can make just as well of a case for that as any other so this show itself is going to have some controversy this is our 25th episode we're a quarter of a way to 100 mm-hmm. and we haven't said that yet but we're going to make history because for the first time both of you guys have convinced me about these conspiracies. <laughs> I 100% believe both of these and I can't, I can't put one and say that this conspiracy is better than this conspiracy because to me that takes away from the, the fascination behind both of them. Just like my fantasy football team. A tie. <laughs> So we will end in controversy. I got to say, when we were getting in closing arguments, I was sitting there thinking, even if he goes Elrod, I can't be really mad because I believe what Elrod's arguing (laughs) is not as much as I believe what I'm arguing just because I've looked into the JFK assassination so much more. But it was one of those if I lost tonight, oh well. But uh, Ty, they say it's like kissing your sister. I don't have a sister to compare that to, but. This could be worse. One thing about these, though, is we're going to have to hit these controversies again in the near future. Exactly. A bunch of others. Exactly. There's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. I enjoy conspiracy theories, as I said. I do think there's a better way to approach this kind of show that me and Elrod have spoke about uh, recently. And next time we do a conspiracy theory show, we'll probably approach it a little bit differently and maybe hone in more on one but uh either way thank you guys for joining us uh this show this episode went longer than i expected it to we tried to keep it very very basic and ground level uh and we still got two hours out of it uh but guys thank you so much for listening be sure to uh stay tuned we will be back next week don't know what the topic will be but stay plugged into our socials and find out there. Gentlemen, any parting words? Ruth is out there. Out there. <laughs> uh, Lee Harvey Oswald didn't do it on his own, and neither could I. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week right here on Convince Me. Peace.